Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Hello, welcome again to our podcast. I'm right now in Machakos, Kenya, and I have a new friend that I want to introduce to you. We're going to be talking about the topic of mission, specifically mission within Africa. And I know that you'll appreciate uh, what you'll hear. So my friend, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much. My name is Peterson Wangombe. Uh, I serve as a pastor uh, in Nairobi. The church is called Deliverance Church. Uh, I've served there for um, about uh, about 12 years. Um, I served before I came to church. I served with students uh, with the Fellowship of Christian Unions for a similar number of years. Um, I am married to Anne and we have three grown children and it's a great joy uh, to be part of this discussion. And am I understanding correctly that you're also a doctor? Yes, I trained as a veterinary uh, doctor. I studied veterinary medicine before I went into uh, more long-term Christian ministry. Okay, so are you still doing that or are you... No, now I... Well, I can treat my mother's cow if I, <laughs> if I, find, uh, if I find it sick. But otherwise, uh, I haven't practiced now for over 20 years. Okay. Well, the thing we want to talk about is mission because as I've been talking to you, I know that's something that's on your heart. You're very passionate about it. You're very knowledgeable about it. And uh, we just want to examine some of the trends in mission on the continent here and some of the exciting ways that you are part of what is happening. Um, but first, as we get into the topic, maybe you can share about your church and how your church is involved in, in both local mission and um, mission in other places. Thank you. Um, our church uh, has been involved um, in missions. My desire as a pastor is to develop uh, a missional community, a missional congregation. And so I've been um, struggling to do that. And we've done a bit of training uh, with the whole church to uh, mobilize and to sensitize. And after we had done that for a while, we chose to adopt one of the least rich people groups in northern Kenya. They are called the Rendile community. The Rendile community would be about 500 or so kilometers from Nairobi, Kenya. And so we've been praying for that community. Eventually, we were able to send three missionaries there from where our church is to that community. But recently, like a year ago, we've been able to train a local Rendile person, and so is part uh, of uh, the missionary team. Our desire, of course, over time is to uh, ensure that the Rendile are able to pick the gospel uh, on their own and run it uh, to the next uh, community uh, or the next village. Apart from adopting the Rendile people, we also do some work in uh, southern Sudan. Uh, the city uh, of Juba has a lot of uh, um, needs in terms of the gospel and the people there. So we have a missionary there. This particular one works with um, 
uh, a school that is run by some other missionaries. So that is another partnership mm -hmm. with some other missionaries. Uh, but uh, the idea is to equip particularly the younger people in that school who then would become uh, missionaries to their own people. We also are working with uh, another church in the, the Democratic Republic of Congo um, where we are partnering to disciple. We are discipling a local church there. The idea, disciple them until they are able to send missionaries to their own people. Uh, finally, we do have a missionary uh, in Cambodia. We have adopted the, the people in Cambodia. We have a lady there from the Maasai community in mm -hmm. Kenya. She's been there now for about uh, two years through another partnership uh, with uh, another uh, missions agency there called OMF. Um, let me ask you more about the Randile. How, how many people are of that tribe in that region, uh, roughly? The Randile people will probably be uh, in the region of uh, maybe um, 100,000 okay. uh, or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, are, um, they, uh, they border a community that is uh, Islamic uh, in faith, but they are more traditionalists. Mm -hmm. uh, they believe more in nature, uh, the god of the sun and the moon uh, and so on. Okay. They are fairly open, but not discipled. That's what we are doing now. Uh, I'm wondering, um, are there a lot of Kenyan churches that are sending evangelists and missionaries to those other regions of Kenya, or is it more unusual? Not very many. Um, and one of the reasons that is so is because many times uh, mission work doesn't appear to pay. Uh, and it demands resources. And uh, many churches would rather concentrate on um, their own struggles and uh, they therefore hesitate to invest uh, in places where they are not able to see resources. But uh, since, the, since 2003 and four, there was a research we did um, that showed that we had very many unreached people groups. Mm. And these facts were presented to the local church in Kenya and since then, uh, through an, a movement uh, we called Finish the Task, mm. FTT, Finish the Task. After the research, we, we presented um, the results and many churches began to want to adopt people groups and to send missionaries. Mm. However, over time, many would fall off when okay. uh, they find the, the challenges or difficulties. Uh, maybe they don't have enough resources or they don't have enough people to send. Uh, or they have other administrative challenges. So right now, we are encouraging, beginning to recast the vision of the plight of the least reached in our country and in our neighboring countries uh, for the churches that are in Nairobi and other places to help them see that the work is, is, is huge and it, is, it needs to be done. Okay, I think you were telling me about some organization that has come out of that, if I have understood rightly, maybe you can tell us more about that? Yes, um, a few uh, churches and leaders in uh, Nairobi came together and they evaluated uh, the blessings we have had over a hundred or so years when missionaries brought the gospel uh, to, to Africa. And now we say it, because we have received the gospel, 
we cannot keep waiting uh, for the people who brought the gospel to now come back and continue to help us reach our own people. So we said, we want to mobilize Africans not to sit, but to rise and reach fellow Africans. Mm -hmm. So we came up with this organization called Africans to Africans. Now, that is not to say that, we, that Africans don't need help from outside. Uh, currently, we talk about missions from everywhere to everywhere. So anyone, uh, whether they are in the north or the south, can receive or send missionaries to, to everywhere. But the reason we said Africans to Africa is to mobilize, is to raise them and, and, and say to them, now the continent requires the gospel and we who have received the gospel must move out. So that organization is called Africans to Africa and the idea is to mobilize the African Christian to take up the task uh, to evangelize their fellow Africans and to start off as we do that, uh, the, if, if our brothers and sisters from other parts of the world come to join us, they'll find us on the way. Mm. Uh, they will not be coming to start us off. They'll find us on the way and we'll support each other as we go. That sounds good. Can you share with us what excites you about the work that's going on? How do you see God using this initiative? What are some of the good stories of transformation that you, that you see taking place? How is God using this work? There has been some very exciting uh, information that comes from some of the chapters that we have started uh, through Africans to Africa. And one of those is some work that has gone on in southern Sudan. Um, A to A is on three pillars. Uh, one is the local church. So with we, we brothers and sisters in, in Nairobi have come together and called ourselves a regional church mm -hmm. and say because we have been blessed with the gospel we want to target a particular area like say southern Sudan that has been just emerging from war and uh, with a lot of needs so we'll target uh, the church there and we'll look for a church that is already active there so we've picked the Episcopal Church in southern Sudan now, southern Sudan, the Episcopal Church is widespread. Mm. So they have evangelists in every corner uh, of southern Sudan, places we cannot reach. So we have the, the regional church in Nairobi and the local church in southern Sudan. Then we have another organization. It's called World Concern. And so World Concern is a global partner. So World Concern provides the infrastructure, the platform, the logistics of work permits um, and they are a relief organization but they say the church can come along what we are doing cross boundaries uh, on our back so to speak and then we can do as we do relief you do church planting so that tripartite arrangement is tremendous mm. uh, we've been able to train over about a hundred uh, evangelists in southern Sudan, local evangelists, at a very minimal cost because they don't need to go to hotels, they don't need, uh, uh, they don't need uh, huge, um, huge investments. Even the churches that they are building don't have to be huge churches. It could be a church under a tree uh, with, uh, an, uh, uh, with some local materials. Uh, that are uh, just done there by the people. And all those evangelists need is training, uh, 
and what we call a hand up rather than a hand out just a hand up to help them move so um, we come together and uh, provide like bicycles the local church there provides evangelists and accommodation mm-hmm. and um, minimal resources then the regional church that is the church in Nairobi provides uh, trainers um, and once in a while some materials like uh, bibles uh, and so on and then the uh, the partner uh, that we, we we called a global partner provides the logistics once in a while that global partner will chip in in the area of um, an air ticket when there is need for one and through that we have had very many i don't have the numbers on my fingers right now but there's hundreds mm. of churches that have been planted in the last three to four years a work that would not have been uh, achieved mm-hmm. if we just did it from nairobi yeah. but being able to identify local evangelists who need very little support supporting them a little training them and sending them to their own people uh, they know the terrain they know they don't need uh, huge vehicles uh, fuel gasless they know the terrain they know the language and we have found that extremely productive mm-hmm. and we want to do it uh, here in Nairobi uh, here in Kenya uh, picking one of the people groups uh, we are picking the samburu the samburu uh, people would be about uh, maybe 3 to 400 kilometers from Nairobi mm-hmm. we've zeroed in on a place called Wamba we have found that there are about um, 15 churches uh, that that would be represented in Nairobi but they are all struggling so we are training those church those church church leaders we are asking them to recruit evangelists we will train those evangelists and then we will give a very small hand up to start them off mm. they will of they will contribute their accommodation they will contribute uh, the food and everything else we will do the training and very little hand up like a mod, like a bicycle or like uh, a small stipend just to start them off and then after 5 years we will reduce even the little stipend and uh, uh, any other support that might be coming so that hopefully the training includes a uh, self sustainability mm-hmm. so that in about 5 years we'll be evaluating and moving to another village and we are believing God that by that time churches indigenous churches will have been planted in those places mm-hmm. as you send out missionaries whether from your church or this other organizations african africans to africans um what is what what do you require as far as the education or the training for the missionaries who are being sent out how do you equip them before they go um it's there's a very interesting uh, discussion uh, about training and uh, sending that happens uh, among africans and many times we say uh, in africa calling precedes uh, training mm. uh, it, it's not necessarily a very good thing but what we have done uh, we have realized that there are very many mistakes that happen when uh, the called is not very well equipped mm. so we've developed um, a curriculum to train our missionaries when we send them out that curriculum includes cross cultural um 
communication, it includes uh, understanding the host culture, it includes various attitudes about uh, you as a missionary so that you don't become paternalistic mm -hmm. when you go to the host community. Um, so we do have that and it takes several weeks, sometimes months, um, and we do it um, like in three blocks. We do, it, we do something just before the missionary goes and then when he goes, if he's not too far, after three months or three to six months, we do another training and then towards the exit, because we do it like the short term missionaries would be, would be like six months to one year. Uh, then we do an exit, an exit training and culture, uh, re-entry and, and so on. Uh, for the longer term missionaries, we do require a certain amount of education so that they are able to cope uh, when they go to the to the other culture some basic basic education uh, a diploma or or a degree but now for the um for the evangelists that we are training in the local communities those ones we do not require uh, anything we just require a desire to serve and since they are under another church like the episcopal church the episcopal church would use their own criteria of how yeah. they recruit our ours is just to to train mm -hmm. but yes preparation is, is is extremely important but some of that actually happens on the ground as yeah. people do their work and how are these missionaries supported because we, we know that it's very demanding with resources to go to a new place and you have to provide for yourself and maybe they're even expected to help others that they're ministering to. So where do the funds come from? Um, we begin by um, when we recruit, the, when A to A recruits, we begin by asking that particular individual whether they can develop a list of friends um, and uh, uh, people who would identify with their calling and with their ministry. When that list is, is developed, we begin to ask them to talk to, 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 to those people so that a certain amount of the budget will come from the friends mm -hmm. or people who believe uh, in the calling of this uh, person. The second source um, is uh, the local church itself. Every, in the Africans to African initiative, every so often uh, we do two things. We organize um, a gala. A gala is like a luncheon or a dinner where we invite friends from different some professionals who would like to, to be involved in missions but they don't have the time. We invite them for dinner and that happens like uh, once or twice uh, a year. Mm -hmm. We do vision casting. We uh, encourage them, we share the stories, then we encourage them to contribute. And um, for instance, the, the, the last one we have just done, uh, we were able to raise about 1.2 million Kenya shillings, which can be converted to the dollar by multiplying by 120. And uh, that will go a long way for 2023, for the missionaries we are sending in 2023. And then the local church that is sending that missionary, we also request them whether they can do some backing uh, of some resources. So those are like three sources, mm -hmm. the local church, 
the individual uh, and their friends. And then um, this more centralized uh, fundraising. And then there's a, a fourth one. The fourth one is actually the host church. Mm. If we are sending someone to, DR, to Democratic Republic of Congo, we talk to the church there so that we ask them, can you provide housing? And many of them are quite happy to provide housing. Uh, sometimes they can provide a certain amount of budget towards food, uh, but otherwise, if that church is unable to do that, we will provide it from the other budget. Mm -hmm. So we have found that working uh, very well. Some people are very strong at uh, friend raising, others are weak, uh, but when you look at those three or four uh, categories, um, then the budget is eventually met. And there's another source, which is the, uh, the, the, the partner who provides logistics. Mm -hmm. um, they, in their relief budget, also provide uh, some um, resources for maybe a first and a last visit, like an air ticket, which can be very expensive, a last and, and a first and a last air ticket, and sometimes even a middle air mm -hmm. ticket. Um, so that way, by God's grace, we've been able to send uh, those those missionaries. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, all this is very encouraging. Um, now thinking about accountability uh, for American missionaries, there tends to be either that they're accountable to the sending church, or they're accountable to the mission organization staff, or both. Uh, so I'm wondering how the setup is for you. Who, who is who is hearing the stories about what's happening? Who is following up to know what the missionaries are doing? Who is caring for them? Um, there are like two or three levels of, of accountability. The missionaries we have sent through Africans to Africa. Um, if select an example, say in southern Sudan. There is a missionary who comes from my church and goes to Southern Sudan as a chaplain in a school. Now, the, the person answers to the immediate uh, supervisor is the owner uh, or the church in the school. So they are the ones who set like the timetable, they are the ones who looks at uh, the immediate day-to-day -day running of the, of, the, of the missionary. The second level, uh, is uh, is world concern because they have an office in southern Sudan mm -hmm. and because of issues of uh, security uh, security can, can deteriorate or improve um, in a matter of hours that partner has the infrastructure uh, the, the capacity to monitor security if there was need to fly someone out because of something has happened, they have the capacity. So that's the next level. Mm -hmm. The third level is the sender, the, the local the local church, like, like now my church. Mm. I would expect reports regularly, it could be monthly, and also it's our church that provides the stipend mm. uh, or the salary. Therefore, as we release the, sa the salary, we need uh, that uh, accountability. When there are other people who want to come and partner with, the, uh, with us in um, the sending, we encourage them for purposes of, of accountability 
to send that money to either through the agreement, either the local church that is sending and then expect uh, reports and expect uh, uh, how to be given, to be told how that money is used or the global partner like world concern for, for this purpose. There could be another uh, partner like Resonate or another uh, or another one. Um, the important thing here is to ensure that the money that was sent arrived, it did what it was supposed to do, and there is paperwork mm. uh, to support uh, that with, with numbers and with reports like what God has been doing uh, mm -hmm. through the donations that were given. Very good. I want to turn the conversation a little bit to look at the role of the North American church um, in reaching to the unreached peoples of the African continent. Let me also include not only North America, but we have European missionaries, we have South Korean missionaries, we have Brazilian missionaries, they're from many places. Um, what have you, maybe we can start with, what are you seeing? What are you seeing on the continent, or at least within East Africa where you're more familiar? What are you seeing? What are the trends? How do you see partnerships taking place? What do you see that's positive? Mm -hmm. What do you see that's not working as well? Um, and then we can move from there to talk about what, what the role should be. Okay, um, first is to appreciate um, that God has been at work uh, throughout the world. Uh, he's been working uh, throughout the world. But there are certain seasons um, that he that there's a lot of movement. God's move in Europe or in uh, Middle East or in Asia or in Africa. Certain seasons, and I would say that as we stand right now, there is a lot of Christian activity happening in the global South, whether that's Africa, Latin America, and Asia. There is an awakening where now the the countries that received missionaries have started to experience God's blessings to such an extent that they are now beginning to send uh, to send missionaries out of those places like Africa, Latin America, and Asia to the global north. However, since we are talking about uh, um, missionaries coming from everywhere to, to everywhere, we have to ask ourselves, how can we partner how can the South partner with the North um, in order to accomplish the mission of God, the Missio Dei, the, the mission of God? How can it be best accomplished? I would say that we can look at giftings. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, the South. One, because of what is now happening, what is happening now about renewal, revival, many people coming to, to the faith, Never mind that sometimes uh, we may say they are, uh, they, they, they are like a river that is one inch deep but uh, a mile wide. You know, there's, there's that uh, description of the African church. But the truth is that there is also a lot of vibrance, a lot of mm -hmm. movement. So Africa, Latin America and Asia, uh, has the people. Africa, the African con continent is young, pretty young. So you have energy you have a desire, you have zeal. Yeah. Then you know the language of the people. 
So the Africans reaching their fellow unreached Africans, they know the language, they understand the terrain, uh, and, and, and so on. They, I believe, have resources, some resources. They don't have all the resources, but they do have some resources, including human resource and the social capital that they have, the fact that they can easily connect uh, with their neighbors and so on. And of course, there are other resources uh, in the continent. But there are some other resources that they don't have. So if you look at the, the north, the, 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 the north, the global north, the global north has a long history of uh, training. Mm -hmm. So in terms of theological training, the capacity, the writing, the books and so on, uh, the structures, um, if you ask uh, me to develop a, a paper on um, training of a missionary, that's already done many, many years by the churches in the north. So they have the, that capacity. I would also say that they are more endowed in terms of uh, financial resources. So if they have uh, the history of writing and development of paper, they, they, there will be more education there, the theological schools are older there, is it possible that they can share part of that with the church in the south? While the church in the south shares its, 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 uh, its vibrance, um, can the church in the north uh, provide its history? Uh, the positive history, because there's also some history that is not very positive. Uh, can they share the positive history? Can they share some of the resources in terms of literature, uh, teachers, uh, and so on, and where possible, even financial resources? Just to match up with, uh, with what uh, the South has. What I've seen working extremely well in some churches is partnership where a church in the north that is interested in reaching an African community partners with a church in the south that is already doing something and the two of them locate a community, let's say uh, the water, the for instance, the water community. If there's a church in the north that really would like to be involved in missions but they don't know the language and they don't have, uh, they, you know, they, they are not on the ground. But there's a church in Africa that is interested, maybe already doing that, just requiring a little hand up. If those two can partner and say, church A in the north and church, church B in the south have located this enriched community, they want to start doing a bit of research in that community, they want to try and locate maybe some local people and train them uh, and begin an initiative there, those two churches can do that easily. Uh, the, the North can provide training and some bit of resources like literature and, and financial aid. The South can provide the people, can provide accommodation. Africans are very hospitable, uh, so they can provide accommodation and so on. And I think if that partnership was, was withheld, was, was held, but baseline is that no partner should see themselves as superior to the other. Mm. They all come to yeah. the same table, they share the resources that they have, they agree on administration of those resources, they agree on what stories should be written and so on. And the two, that is a win-win situation. The two are targeting a community uh, and bringing their resources together and visiting mm. and sharing uh, um, like discipleship materials and so on. Yeah. That's the way I see it uh, is working. But where um, 
someone uh, feels more more superior, more paternalistic, or the other one feeling uh, this is my time. Like if I'm an African and I start to say this is my time. This is uh, the, the gospel is moving fastest in Africa, and I begin to feel self-sufficient. Then I cannot benefit from the wisdom that comes uh, from other Christians who have been uh, who have a long um, tradition. So both ways, we have sins to repent, both sides, and we have gifts to bring to the table. That way, the kingdom of God can grow. Wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm flowing with you. I really appreciate all this wisdom that you're sharing. One of the things I need more detail is on the issue of superiority. Because if I go and talk to my team, I go and talk to my church, I talk to mission organizations, all of them will agree with you that we shouldn't be superior. But sometimes we can act superior and we're not realizing that. So can you share some ways that uh, you can help us to see uh, where we might be acting in a superior kind of way and we need to notice it and change so that the partnerships can be more healthy? Thank you very much. First, I just want to thank the church in the, in the north in general because you, the church in the north has brought a huge contribution uh, to whether we are talking Africa, whether we are talking uh, Latin America or Asia or any other community. The church in the north, the missionary church, has done a lot over these years, invested their lives. Uh, there were stories about how uh, some of them would come carrying their own uh, coffins because they know they will not go back. Mm. So first is a salute uh, for the for the north, uh, the church in the north. The second thing <coughs> is to uh, to appreciate that sometimes earlier, for instance, um, the church in the north felt that the some of the cultures in the south were not right mm. um, and uh, you know th there was there would have been things like uh, idol worship or cultural worship and so on and one um, uh, someone called I think he was called Ling uh, Lingenfelter said that all cultures and are pinheads uh, it's, he was an anthropologist they are pinheads of disobedience so every culture needs to be illuminated uh, by the gospel whether it's a culture in the south or in the north uh, all our cultures need to be illuminated with the gospel so that uh, they can open up to the gospel. Now, the, the third note is that now when we start uh, looking at this culture and this culture, culture, sometimes we may come with a judgmental attitude. Um, if someone comes from the north and they, they, they come to, to Africa or to some other place um, and they, um, they, they come with an attitude that... Uh, uh, this place is just a place of darkness. There's no light. So I'm taking the light uh, to this uh, to this community. Mm. What they might forget is that the church you find in that community has been laboring there for many years. Yeah. There is uh, a lot of knowledge uh, on the ground, uh, what is called a, a cultural knowledge of the people, the place, the geography, and so on. That needs to be appreciated. Mm. The social capital also needs to be appreciated, the connections, the networks in those, in those communities. So I think it's just to say, I, I will go to this community 
and I will, I'm going fast as a learner. Mm. I will listen as much. I will observe. I will ask questions of qualification. I do hope that I can have a brother or sister there who will be upfront with me and I will be open-hearted that if I'm, if I'm stepping uh, the wrong direction that I'll be told and I can be corrected. Mm-hmm. I think an attitude of humility. Uh, secondly is an attitude that says God is already at work there. Yeah. I'm not the one taking God there. God is already at work. I am going where he is working and I, I am joining the brothers and sisters uh, who are who are there. But then the, the, the third is just to say um, God has blessed me in certain ways. I have and I understand Christianity a little more. I will go as a listener and once I evaluate then I'm, I'll begin to teach or to train and I'll have people come along with me who can uh, learn a little from me and hopefully begin to practice it. But I am also a student of that place, of that culture, and I was to, and I want to learn as much as I as I can. Once in a while, I have seen uh, cases where a missionary from the north, uh, because they have the money, maybe they have the dollar and so on, have participated in um, in actually destroying the work in. Um, um, in a local community where uh, sometimes they go, like even me, if I go say to the Turkana community or to the Rendila community where I serve, yeah. when I go there, <clears throat> I will receive a lot of requests uh, from the people because I, I am coming from a city and I'm going to a rural place mm-hmm. and uh, just by going there, maybe I drive a car there, uh, it is possible that the people there now will think that help has come. If I don't listen to the missionary on the ground and his or her observations and rules, then I will probably destroy the work he or she is doing there without knowing. Mm. So as a rule, what I do when I go to where our missionaries are is that I don't respond to any need immediately. Mm. Uh, I will not give money uh, or clothes or anything like that immediately because first I'll be doing it uh, over just emotion. Secondly, the talkative person is the one who will receive and the quiet person whom I have no idea who who is needy is is the one who will not receive. Mm -hmm. And then, so as a rule, I will go, I will see all the, the needs there, I will talk with the missionary on the ground and I will ask if somebody wanted to support the work here. What's the best way to support? I don't have to agree always with that person, but I will not do anything that could jeopardize the ministry that person is doing on the ground. I'd rather go back home, think critically, ask the relevant questions, then I can go back and begin to support what that person is doing. Of course, I will ask for accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will ensure that uh, we are doing the right thing and the resources that are given there go to do the right thing. And that will be through reports um, and um, and uh, records and testimonies and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we look at that, that role of the global church in partnership here, um, how can they give financially to support the work of sending African missionaries to unreached peoples 
without creating dependency? What are some things to just keep in mind or to watch out for so that it's healthy giving that is empowering the church rather than creating dependency? Yes. Um, what we, we have established is that uh, anything just paid off in total is not honored. It's not, uh, if I come and pay for everything that you need, you will not see the, the need uh, for that and what it costs. So what we have done is to, um, is to ensure that every one of the partners I have mentioned is making a contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the local church, it's making a, a contribution. To, to the sending of the missionary. If it's a host church, a community where we are sending someone, the partner there, for instance, there is providing accommodation. Because I believe that every community has some resources uh, that can be used for the gospel so that there will be sharing of roles. And then that is documented, the sharing of roles is, is documented. Of course, some partners will, will provide more uh, than the others, but the point is that every one of the partners, including the missionary being sent, mm-hmm. has a role that they are playing. Uh, I think the second thing is to identify either the local church or the global partner we are talking about, uh, where then one can channel resources and require, uh, require um, accountability like receipts and reports. Um, and 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 not to do it like once everything given once, but to do it in a way so that uh, if you give month one and you say my next giving will be in March or April or whatever, between that time and now, and the next giving there is a report. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has happened? What what I sent? What did that money money do? Um, and uh, I think that the, 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 the final thing is that it also really does help um, to pay a visit where that is possible over time. Just uh, pay a visit uh, if, if that is practical and be part of what you are supporting uh, where possible. Where it's not possible, then it's just continue channeling those resources. Uh, one um, organization I have found uh, really helping is where they say that, for instance, now during this time of drought, uh, there's one organization I, I also work with, it's called Love in the Name of Christ. They started in the US, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm part of a board here in Kenya, uh, where we have a local chapter. Mm-hmm. Is to say, um, we have this community in the north, northern part of Kenya that is very hungry. If Church A gives uh, a donation of five bags of maize, this organization is going to match that gift. So we will have 10 bags of maize, but this church has given five, we are matching that gift. Mm. Uh, and then we need proof that that money, that maize actually got to the, to the people who, who, who need it. Those are some of the ways I, I find that uh, we, we can improve in uh, accountability. And uh, we can question, we can keep questioning how this is being done, how, where did, how did the resources go, uh, and so on, so that we have a healthy uh, partnership and relationship. Yeah, that sounds really good to me. We're getting near nearer the end of our time. There's another 
big topic that I wanted to make sure we talk about, which is reaching out to Muslims. As we talk about the unreached, there are a lot of places in the continent where there are a lot of Muslims, especially North Africa. And uh, I'd love to hear what you've been hearing. <laughs> How has God been working among Muslims in Kenya or North Africa? Um, what, what trends are there? Uh, are, are African missionaries making uh, a difference in that area? Um, yeah, so just whatever, yeah. whatever comes to your mind, what, what do you see happening in that area? Yes, what the, uh, the church in Nairobi, for instance, uh, has done, and Africans to Africans, is to start challenging the churches in uh, south of Sahara to start thinking about that belt above uh, Sahara, all the way from West Africa, Morocco, and those countries right to the, uh, to the Red Sea uh, area, and uh, for Kenya, even immediately in the north, uh, northeast of Kenya, we have, we have Somalia there, mm -hmm. is to ask the churches in the south to start looking north. And we are calling that movement uh, South to North Movement. And we are thinking and encouraging um, there will be uh, different ways. In some of those countries, you cannot go as a missionary, but you can go as a professional. And so we are saying, are there schools and universities in the north uh, of Africa where we can encourage uh, students or lecturers who have a, who would be trained uh, from a missional perspective to go seek for teaching opportunities there or study there and we are beginning to see that uh, where students can now go to those universities some of those universities are very good universities mm. they can go and seek for education there but we are also talking about uh, other uh, areas like sports and hospitality. Um, we are talking about people who can move from the, the, the south to go north to offer hospitality, to become business people, to train in uh, exercises, uh, to train in languages like the English language. Um, can we have some people who just go to some place and uh, begin to teach the, the language, the English language, because most of those countries will be speaking Arabic. Uh, or, or some other, or even French in, in the western part of Africa. Um, and we are finding that as a very good model. Others is to go start schools mm. uh, at, at a lower level for, for, for children uh, and do that in English, like some kind of international uh, language. Um, but uh, there are also um, other ways where we are seeing the Almost every city in Africa now, even those below the Sahara, have an international community from all these places. And in Kenya, for instance, one estate, uh, it will be called a, um, a place where people live, um, is a place called, say, Isli. Isli is part of uh, the Nairobi, uh, part, part of Nairobi, the eastern side of Nairobi, where you have very many people from northern Kenya. You have the Somali community there, you have uh, Arabs, and they are doing a lot of business there. And we are saying, is it possible that God has brought these people into the, the heart of the city, just next door to us, 
but we haven't done much. So a number of churches are starting to uh, to do business in, in Eastleigh. They are beginning to, to teach English there. Uh, they are starting schools and, uh, and so on. The idea is to continue bridging the gap between those who are from that other religion uh, with those who are Christians. For one of my my an area I'm been, I've been praying about, I've not been able to do it, I've been praying about as a vet, um, mm. is uh, Northern Kenya has, uh, that's where most animals come from. Masabit, Mandera, uh, Wajia, those animals, there's a route they take all the way from the north, two routes. Mandera is the northeastern tip. Uh, Masabit and Moyale is middle top, just below Ethiopia. And this other one, Mandela, is just below uh, Somalia. Animals come down all the way. They come and they end up in uh, the city, the city, some part of the city. And um, I have been thinking that we need to do a study to find out how, how all those centers, uh, how the faith can be, uh, faith communities can be developed. And right here in the city, um, the Kiamaiko area is called Kiamaiko, where there's a slaughterhouse. Mm. How we can do uh, small group discipleship, they identify and disciple, and then send back, backwards on the same road, uh, backwards, and plant faith communities in all those shopping centers. A few, one of the things I'm involved in is something we call prayer safari. The prayer safari is, is not a preaching uh, visit. It is a place, it, it, it is a ministry of prayer. So it's like four or five days. So we move from Nairobi, for instance, as a group of 10, 20 people. We go we, from here, we go say to, to um, a place like Garissa. And as we go to Garissa, we, we greet the city in the name of Jesus. And we, we, we pray over that city. We meet some of the missionaries from different denominations who are in Garissa, ask them, how can we pray for you? What are the issues there? And we have prayed for them and left a small gift there. Mm. Move to the next town, uh, prayed over that, that town, and then had a small fellowship. It could be just 40 minutes uh, of praying together. How can we pray for you? What are the issues there? We pray and move to the next and the next. We have seen that working tremendously. We, whoever we find on that way, whether it's the police manning uh, traffic there, we, we administrators and missionaries, we pray for them. We, we don't even preach, we just pray for them and come back. It does two things. First, it exposes the church uh, to the needs mm. out there, just to, to see this community has no church. There's one missionary here laboring and struggling, maybe has not been visited, has not gotten any email or any telephone for, for a year, because maybe the sending church forgot the person there. So we pray for that person. Then we make friends with that person. That person now has two or three other friends. We go to the next and do the same. So exposure. But the second is just prayer, because prayer has a, it's a dynamic that God has chosen, that he does things uh, with it. The thirdly is that when we come back, most of the people we have exposed to the mission field now have a burden. They have started to see a burden. When they come back to their churches, they start talking about what they saw, and the church is challenged 
to uh, the church's challenge. Can we send someone to these places? Can we invite that missionary there to come and give us a small uh, report of what they are doing? Uh, and so on. We have found that working very well. And so we would invite even the people in the, in the north, the global north, uh, if somebody just wants to know, have a feel of what it looks like here, uh, a, a prayer safari like that of a week uh, or so would work very well. And if it's done around August and so forth, it's possible to combine it with a bit of a holiday. They can do prayer and then go to Masai Mara to watch the, the animals. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Peterson. Uh, you've really given us a lot to think about. You've given us a, a, a big picture about some of the things that are happening in this region, but also some details of good stories and good initiatives that are happening. We're coming now to the end of our time, but I want to give you a chance to share something that's on your heart on this issue of mission with the listeners. Remember that we have North American listeners, we also have other African pastors who are listening. What encouragement or challenge would you like to share as we close? And then after you share that, if there's some prayer requests that you have, we can end with your prayer requests. Right. First, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, I would uh, say that the African continent is open for the gospel. Tremendous things are happening among uh, Africans. They are, I would almost say, open heavens at the moment. Um, last time I went to DRC, and with this church we were partnering with, we said we want to talk to a small group of leaders. They brought a, hun- uh, a thousand people. And we were asking for a small group of leaders, they brought a thousand people. Then we said, we, can we have an outdoor meeting? Uh, thinking we are going to have uh, 2,000, we had 5,000 people. And uh, there is a lot of, the hearts are open. Uh, Africa has many problems. But at the moment, hearts are open, God is at work. And I think the Macedonian call uh, is, is, is now, now. The Macedonian call is, come and help us. So we say, come and help us reach the continent. We do not have any idea for how long these open heavens are going to be. We don't know how long the center of gravity will, 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 will take to shift. So we want to do the best we can. Uh, I know that Africa is greatly endowed, but we also have many governance issues. And I think that's why the, the partnership between the South and the North is extremely important. So I would urge the North American listeners and Africans who are also in the North to just see how how churches in the North can work with churches in the South to accomplish the the mission of, of God. Many times those in need do not really need handouts. They need a hand up. And a hand up is, how are you, my brother? How can I help you do better what you are doing? Mm, Um, How can I pray for you? That is what the African church needs. And with the experiences and resources, uh, I believe we can do a lot Mm -hmm. together. So thank you for that encouragement. Share with us now how the listeners can pray for you or for your ministry 
and mission work. Yeah, please do pray uh, for the effort that we have. Uh, we want to see more people mobilized for the gospel, more Africans trained, and more resources mobilized. Uh, for the gospel. Pray for the north, particularly North Africa, where most Muslims are many. And uh, there's a lot of desire to overrun uh, the rest of the continent mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Islam and other religions. Uh, pray also for the traditionalists. There are very many, and we want to trust God that the gospel can illuminate those uh, faiths. Rejoice with us because we have also had many Muslims hearing God in interesting ways, visions, dreams, and coming to find out uh, how they can be baptized. So God is doing a lot. Uh, pray with us, support uh, Africa uh, where you can, and may the Lord bless you indeed. Uh, this organization that you work with, is there a website if someone wants to read about it? Um, I th uh, there is a, a website, it's being developed. It's not yet fully developed, uh, but there is a page in the website for World Concern. Mm -hmm. There's a website for uh, in the organization called World Concern. There okay. would be a link for Africans uh, to Africa. Okay. Thank you very much. This has been a wonderful teaching time to learn more about mission and what is happening, what God is doing. It's encouraging to hear what God is doing. So thank you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. God bless you.